I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I'm Lucas Mack. Thank you for joining. And today I am so excited to bring my guest, Ryan Piccarella, on the podcast. Um, all of us, no matter where you are in the world, we've all gone through our own struggles, experienced our own traumas and pains. And thankfully, if you're listening to this podcast, I know that you're on the hero's journey to step into the fullness of your purpose and power while you're here. And in this beautiful episode, we get to hear Ryan's story of his hero journey. And also something that I want to talk more about in the coming episodes and and coming days and months and years of this podcast, I want to talk about the power of plant medicine and with the intention and set and setting, being in the right place, how much it is helping so many people heal and and um, just reclaim that sense of innocence and beauty and childlike wonder again, and that we all are yearning to find whether we're aware of that or unaware of that. So I'm so excited to bring this episode. Ryan, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your story. You're such a beautiful brother. I'm so glad we met and everyone enjoy. Well, my brother, Ryan, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, everyone, like I shared, Ryan and I got connected through someone that he works with, who I had a lovely conversation with and just connected on that heart level. And then she's like, you got to talk to Ryan. We, we synced up and it was like, brother, like, where have you been this whole time, you know? Um, and so I'm really, thank you for coming on the podcast and, and, uh, showing up like you do. Oh man. Thank you. It's, it's, I'm thrilled to be here. And I know that like literally within one of like the moment that we met, I was like, Oh, of course, like it's going to be, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. And I look forward to this and and other great stuff that we'll figure out uh, that we need to do in the world too. So thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be here. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. You know, the one thing that's been coming up lately with many people I've been talking to is just the hero's journey and everyone is somewhere along their own hero's journey and that Joseph Campbell cycle. And you have a tremendous story where you've come out of, you've come out of the cave, you come to the other side, you're still working through stuff, but for, for people who have yet to hear your story, share, you know, your background, where you grew up professionally, what led you to what you're doing now? Totally. So I'll try to be, uh, as succinct. So I live in Omaha, Nebraska now, and I will we'll kind of back up. But I, I grew up and I think part of my journey was um, growing up with a disabled mother mm-hmm. uh, and what that was like. And that was very eye opening, you know, I think for me at a very, very early age mm-hmm. um, and bubbled up a bunch of stuff. And I grew up most of my life in Georgia, uh, did a stint in, in St. Louis for a while, which is where both my parents are from, ended up uh, back in Georgia. And like most kids getting out of high school, uh, I wanted to go far away. <laughs> So uh, I remember as a, as a kid, uh, my parents, we did the Griswold family trip and banded across the country and 
And I remember seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. Gosh, I was probably in second or third grade um, and like just left a deep imprint on my soul. And I was like, I felt like I was home. I was like, this is this is my church. This is my even at a very you know, young uh, age. And so when I had the opportunity to, to go to college, I remember I applied to Northern Arizona University never really seen the school before, didn't care, knew that it was close to the Grand Canyon. And honestly, that's all that mattered. I had no idea what I wanted to go to school for. Ended up uh, there and uh, studying anthropology. And really that that became, you know, a passion. I had an amazing small group of us, uh, mostly, uh, you know, indigenous folks from the area and from other parts of the country, really the world. We had a few people from Japan, um, from Mexico, and other um, kind of First Nations people from South and Central America. And, wow. uh, it was my love. And as I mentioned, my mom was sick, ended up leaving college, going back home to be closer to her, mm. uh, ended up um, back in Georgia again, and then ultimately in Tennessee. And somehow, I, again, at one of those crossroads in life, I was like, what do I do with myself? And thought I'd go back to school and uh, found myself in, in an industrial organizational psychology program. And at the time, I think I've shared, I had no idea what the I or the O stood for, but knew I didn't want to do research. They had no anthropology. Uh, and I was like, well, hell, I'll just, I'll just do this. And started my journey in HR. Mm. And it's funny because I don't think anybody grows up and says, I want to be an HR professional uh, when I get out of school. And it's not a knock and I love it. You know, and it's, you know, you become the caretakers of your organization. And so that was where, you know, it kind of began. But, Mm. you know, I I started the the corporate track and it was a good ride. And I, I think I, you know, I had aggressive goals as to what I wanted to do. And I was at um, a large health carrier for 10 years, mm. um, ended up um, on a whim at the, the nudging of a good friend of mine applying for a CEO position at the Wellness Council of America. Mm. After several attempts, he said, man, like, why wouldn't you apply? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I'll get the job. And I remember Sean is his name. And Sean said, well, if you got the job, would you take it? And I said, yeah. And I said, if you didn't get the job, you still have the job you have, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And so that was the beginning. Ended up uh, ended up there. And I was uh, the CEO of Alcoa for almost eight years. Um, and then went through this sort of pivotal, you know, sort of transformation. I think this is where we're kind of leading to. And I, I hit 40. And I don't know what happens when we hit 40. Mm. But I remember standing in my backyard and looking around and, and by all standards had all the things that we, you know, aspire to get, you know, beautiful mm. home, beautiful family, suburban neighborhood, green grass, yeah. cute dog, yeah. but I was not happy and I couldn't figure out what was going on in my life and why I wasn't happy. And so that was sort of the beginning of, of the, the burn it down and build it back kind of approach. And I don't necessarily recommend it. If there's, there's other paths that are less, uh, that was sort of thing. And so, you know, at, 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 I ended up, um, you know, leaving the job and leaving the family. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you know, bought a small camper and decided to disappear for about seven months and to really sort of hit a hard reset on my life and to figure out what the hell had happened mm. <laughs> and where do I most importantly decide to go from here. So uh, I'll, I'll dive more into that, but I'll kind of take a pause there, but that's, that's been the journey. And that was about three years ago when that sort of began. Wow. Amazing. The, uh, the anthropology side, uh, tell me about that. Like what drew you early on, 
So I took anthropology. I've actually a funny story about the anthropology building at University of Washington. I'll share in a sec. But what drew you into to that? You know, it, it has been like I I believe I you know have a, you know a spirit you know guide whatever you want a guardian angel whatever my, from a very early age. I've just been really drawn and, and even my mother as, as kids would take us to, when I lived in Georgia, we'd go up and spend a lot of time in Cherokee lands and others. And so there's always been this like deep soul connection to it. And um, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I think there's, 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 there's a wisdom. And I remember my first anthropology teacher said, is that, you know, this is, this is the study of similarities, not differences. And I, and I always kind of took that, that we as humans, like we all, really truly at the core desire and want the same things we want to love we want to be loved we want to laugh we want to play we want to be creative we want to explore it's like these you know sort of cultural universals as they're known was just always a fascination to me and it's like in culture it really defines everything right it defines what's normal what's not normal and what our values are what they're not you know how we interact with each other what is the right way to sort of be and exist within the land the place that we're in from the people that we operate how the systems that are created and it's always been um, interesting and then and then there's all these microcosms that were fascinating right like even with companies like you can have the same company in different cultures and different offices and it's like this is interesting why like yeah. why is it and so it's just like that inquisitiveness and i think just the how do we get people back to the true north right and like and to create healthy healthy systems of people and i think we did it right there was so much more harmony um, I think with, with a lot of the indigenous you know, cultures that I think that we're, where we're at today, there's a lot of wisdom that we could probably, sh will, should probably be listening and heeding as we move yeah. into this transformational sort of time period that we're in. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. Um, such a fascinating time. You know, have you seen the show Yellowstone? I have not. I've I've heard of it. Uh, it's definitely on my on my list. Is it? Is it, do you recommend it? I really recommend it. I really do. And but it, it shows the two clashes of cultures of the Western settler and the the native tribes. And at one time, the coexistence and the kindness, and then things shift and change. And it's an interesting dynamic because it really because I'm I'm drawn to the native the ancient wisdom of any culture, even the hermetic school of, I mean, to find whatever I can get. And at the end of the day, we're walking over wisdom. We just don't even under, you know, it's, that's we why anthropology is so fascinating to me to dig it out and to expose ancient wisdom beneath our feet. I think one of my biggest learnings over the last couple of years for me and through a variety of healing practices, whether it be plant medicine, whether it be other things, whether it's meditation, whether it's deep reflection, whether it's through music, but like, I've been setting the wrong goals in my life. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think that that like trying to understand like, what, what is it that, like, where do these desires? And I think they're driven by ego. It could be, it could be money centric. It could be this, it could be whatever. Like we're conditioned in a lot of ways again, through, through culture and upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I think to sometimes like that go against the grain of who we are in spirit. Mm -hmm. And then we find ourselves in this conundrum that we thought we wanted these things. And again, it could be the nice cars. It could be material things. It could be the big house. It could be whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, shit, that, that's not like, that's not feeding the soul. And then we have to say, well, if, if that's not feeding the soul, then what will? And, and how do we get back to that? And I think just, you know, through some of the ancient wisdom, like they were good at that. It's, it, it was just, it was balance. 
I'm a big, you know, sort of balance, whether it's masculine, you know, energy and feminine yeah. energy. Like there's yeah. always got to be, you know, the light and the dark, the yin and the yang, whatever. Like yeah. how do we begin to really, and I think so many of us find ourselves out of balance. I think our country is out of balance. I mean, yeah. like yeah. how do we bring that? And I think that there, there's learnings through the ancient wisdoms that we need to sort of pause and reflect on um, and hopefully bring out some transformation, both like starts here, right? Ourselves. Yeah. And then we can bring that out to hopefully to others and those that we love and our communities, our companies, whoever. I love that. Dude, I have a, you just reminded me, I'm going to have to send this clip. So there was this um, very expensive uh, condo tower built in uh, Bellevue where we were living, which uh, is where Expedia's headquarters, Microsoft, Amazon, like all these elite executives were living in this condo this brand new high rise tower. And my buddy lived in it and he invited me to the gym that it was, he was one of the first people that lived in this uh, high rise. So there weren't that many tenants and we're sitting in the sauna and this old, I mean, must've been like late eighties old Asian man comes in and we're just laying in the sauna, just not talking and he looks at us and he looks at me and he looks at the other guy and I'm like, kind of acknowledge him. And he goes, balance. And I go, what? He goes, balance. Everything is balanced. And he goes on a diatribe in the sauna where I'm just like soaking in sweat, talking about balance. And it, it was when similar to you, like it was my, before you're 40, it was my 34, like I was out of balance massively. And he's telling me about balance and, and my buddy still will text me once in a while, like balance. I said, how'd that guy get in? There was no, he, he checked. The guy wasn't a tenant. No one knows how he got in. No one. I mean, he could have, we could have hallucinated this ancient sage, but this man went on to tell us all about balance. And I've never forgotten this concept of balance. And you're talking about like, we're out of balance right now. Our society or culture, like media, everything is out of balance. And to come back and find that balance is perhaps the greatest gift we could bless everyone with right now. It's just how do we get there? And I want to hear how you are getting there. But real quick, I want to tell the story about anthropology building at the University of Washington. So um, I lived off campus um, my junior and senior year. And, and uh, I would have to, I'd park like two or three miles away on this one street where they had free parking. And I walk into class every day. The last building on campus was the anthropology building. And I'd go to the bathroom in this one stall if I had to. And on the stall, someone wrote, God is dead, Nietzsche. And I'd see this quote for, I don't know, a year and a half. The last week I was in school before I graduated, use the, use the stall. And I look and it still said, God is dead, Nietzsche. But underneath it, someone wrote, Nietzsche is dead, God. <laughs> it made me laugh. I thought, God, this, the wisdom in these stalls, you never know what you're going to find. But I thought that was such a, and Nietzsche wasn't saying that God is dead as like the concept of God. He's saying that they culturally killed the concept of God in, in the Weimar Republic. And it was a, it was a observational statement on the time. However, I've all, I've never forgotten that concept of like, that's balance also, right? All this huge concept. And then the underlying, like, well, Nietzsche's dead now too. God, it's funny. Like everything becomes somewhat humorous 
when we can find the balance in everything. And I don't know how this ties into what you're saying, but it feels like there's some profound <laughs> something so, there. So I think it's a perfect example, right? You have this very, you know, this revered philosopher, and then you've got the about the humor in it, right? Like yeah. don't take too seriously. Like <laughs> that's right. Sure, right. Like it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. As deep as you want to, but sometimes like yes. you know, having that inner three-year-old and you laugh at dumb stuff is yes. like is yes. an important part of like <laughs> that's you know, right. balance. And I think you know I've told you like part like part of my healing. Like, so when I you know June of 2020, you know we're, we're we're three months into the pandemic. Like we're still trying to figure out the world's getting super weird. And that was what was also weird is that it was the world, right? I mean I have friends out globally and like yeah. every country's kind of handling it differently. But we're all deep into this this COVID thing and we're trying to figure out like what what's next. What's we didn't even know what next week was going to be like, and right. you know, it was wild and. You know, fortunately, as like I, I would say I, I had two at the time, like incredible healers. Mm-hmm. The first is, you know, I, I have a friend, he's uh, an incredible coach, an incredible human, and he's got an amazing story that would be great for your podcast at some point. But he said, man, he's like, come, come to the desert of California. He's like, I'm hosting a retreat um, in June. He's like, we'll be doing some plant medicine, you know? And I was like, you don't want me there. I was like, I'm a freaking disaster right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, I don't think anybody wants me to be around them. I am not fun. I, I was out of balance. <laughs> I was bad. I was yeah. like, yeah. I was broken, you know, like you could probably, you know, pass gas and I might just cry because I wouldn't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah. I, mean? like, yeah. I just totally. was that I was at the end, man. I mean, I really yeah. think like that was like, I, I was, um, in a, in a dark place. And I, he's like, just get here, like get mm-hmm. here. So I did. And, um, uh, had the opportunity to spend a couple of days, you know, out of the mountains in the desert. And, mm-hmm. and I remember like, there was this moment where like I was journaling and I love to write and, and I, it just, and this thing kept coming back like on paper and it's like, welcome back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what does that even mean? It's like, welcome back. Like, where the fuck have you been? And I'm sorry if I cussed like that was, was okay. my, <laughs> It's like, you've been, like, you've gotten so far away from yourself that now is the beginning to come back, like to, to embrace yourself, all parts of you, the broken parts, the the good parts, the bad parts. And like, and that was the beginning. And I literally like got back, I bought a camper a week later and I, at the time, my girls were like three, just turned three. And I took my three-year-old daughters and we went camping for six months back and forth. And I, my sister had terminal cancer at the time and it was just trying to be there for her. But my daughters, like speaking of funny and like seeing life through the lens of at the time, a three-year-old and a four-year-old, like was like, honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't know that I would be sitting here talking to you and smiling about the story. And it was like, okay. Like what's important? Like how do we like giggling and laughing and playing and catching fireflies and staring at a fire with a stick, you know, for hours? How fun is that? And it's like you forget these things. They're almost like these primal, you know, things that are deep rooted. And it was like this is what this is what really actually matters. Nothing else. Um, getting away from some of the social media, getting away from whatever you know, sort of toxic energy is not you know helping you you know, realize that. And, and so that was that they were, they were the healers, like the two, the two little ones I would watch and be mesmerized by, you know, seeing the world for the first time and so many first experiences. And it was a reminder to me to let that childlike sort of Ryan out again. And I think we were, we repressed this. We, we don't want to be that, you know, anymore. And we, we try to be things. And, and that was you know, where I thought, I was like, I'm, I'm like 15 different people right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've lost track. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Did have yeah. a mom that was, you said sick, but then you said your mom was disabled. What, what was she struggling with or what did she live with? It, it was a long kind of a slow, you know, sort of sick with her. She had a, she had a tumor in her neck when I was very young and it was at the base of her spine and they couldn't get it all out. And so they did radiation and they had to do surgery and then she had a stroke on an operation table. So it was like one surgery kind mm-hmm. of do another and excuse me over the next like 20 years, just slowly became Mm. You know, less more disabled less able to you know over time and and the, the thing that was you know kind of gratitude i know we all talk about gratitude but holy cow this this woman would always look around in a room and always th- sort of have the mentality that there's always somebody worse off than me mm. she was always lucky and she was always like i'm so blessed you mm. know for this. i was like holy cow like you know that's that's pretty wild to to be able to take that and i and i think you know that little lesson and even something that I've tried to instill with my girl like every every night, whether you whether you pray, whether you're, you know, whatever your thing is, is like, you know what? What were you grateful for today, Lucas? Yeah. Like, I don't care how shitty your day was, but yeah. like, give me two, give me two things. And that's kind of the conversation without the shitty with my girls. I'm like, all right, I know school is hard. Someone is mean to you, but give me two things that you're happy for today. And it's like them, it's just easy, you know? Yeah, it's like, right. oh, well, I'm eating, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, it's funny. I asked my, uh, six-year-old that I took him to tomorrow's her last day of school. And I took him to donuts. There's this donut place they love and they all got a special donut this morning. And I asked him, what are you grateful for this morning? And my uh, third, she used to be my youngest, but now she's not. But um, anyway, my six-year-old, um, <laughs> she's, I go, what are you grateful for? She goes, my life. And I'm like, wow, my life, a six-year-old grateful for her life. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I'll tell you, look at my daughter, wrote something she was drawing and she said i she was writing i love i she goes i love myself hmm. I was like also amazing right like these are the little nuggets that our little nuggets are yes. you know like yes yes it's like i love myself i'm like that's really profound and i hope yes. that like because so many of us get to the point and i think i was there like we don't love ourselves right right and whatever gets in the way like it becomes cloudy and if we if we can't love ourselves and we certainly aren't going to be in any position to really truly and, and authentically love others and those around us and really sort of have that be but yeah that's awesome man and like those are the stories i'm like wow i think that one's going on the fridge yeah seriously totally you know it's interesting too this whole concept of um the childlike like you observed like i was a mess i was a a mess before i had my breakdown uh, rebuilding like you, you know, hurting, struggling, like unhappy, unsatisfied success externally didn't match. Like my need to like validate myself or find some sort of like resting point. And, um, and I started looking the past, like even a couple of years, I just been breaking down language set. Like you were talking about, like, I really believe nature is consistent because nature speaks the consistent language set, like a cow moves. It doesn't all of a sudden try to speak, you know, donkey or something like it just moves and the consistency of language keeps nature consistent, but humans are like all over the place, like words change meetings. And we're all trying to like, wait, what is going on here? And it's this never settled experience because the language is changing. And I have this painting, someone uh, was listening and sent me this. Uh, painting a friend of mine and it's in that in that sun it says 
heaven is a balanced heart because I was talking about the word heaven is a conjunction word. It's heart and even heaven. And Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you may not enter the kingdom of heaven. So unless we like go back and heal, we're so, I think this materialistic world, and there's this quote I heard the other day, um, this guy's uncle is a Presbyterian minister somewhere in Illinois. And he said this quote, and I'm like, that is deep. He said, materialism cannot bear the burden placed upon it. Like this materialistic world just can't, we're looking for meaning, love, joy, acceptance, sense of belonging. Materialism just cannot bear that burden. It cannot satiate this need. And it's like, well, heaven, an even heart, a balanced heart takes childlike wonder to go back and like, so it's cool to hear what you're saying. I'm like feeling this experience again. It's like, we, it's, yeah. It's a disease. Like I, I refer to it as morism, right? Like morism, it's yeah. morism. Like we need more mm-hmm. that whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's thing. And it's, and I was just thinking as you're talking, like, and, and through, it's like, we get to a point, is it like where we are programmed, right? And then, and then we've got to like figure out how do we deprogram ourselves actually yes. so to, to like back to baseline a little bit that we've just so long and it's, it's not an easy journey. And that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's, whether it's society or family or both or all these things and this, you know, upbringings that it's like, Oh my goodness. Like we, we actually have to shed. I'm a huge reptile fan. I've, mm-hmm. I've grown up with snakes my entire life. Um, we have co the boa, my girls love reptiles, but I'm always fascinated with like their, their, they shed their skin, the ability mm-hmm. to continuously shed the skin. Like we have, we have to like, let ourselves shed. And I, I keep going back. And I was like, you know, there's this, you know, again, taking psychology, anthropology, like this whole idea of ego, you know, like mm-hmm. an ego, you know, that, that's a whole you know, rabbit trail we could go down, but it's like, it, I think it gets in the way of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, so much. And we have, and I've also like expectations of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know where a lot of like, sometimes those might be self given mm-hmm. that we, have this impression that we need to do great things and great things translate into, you know, X, Y, and D or back to moreism or this, that, and the other. Um, or the other thing is that if we don't meet our own expectations, then we might feel shame and guilt or, or we feel like we, we've not, whether that's something that we're not meeting the bar that our parents set for us or that we set for ourselves or that somebody else or the spouse or a partner or nobody. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, like it's just, you know, it that like that, like that's the skin, like that's the skin that I think. And, and there's so many paths like to be able to, to, to shed some of that. And I think, you know, there's, there's not what I've learned is, you know, you and I, I, I know I've shared some amazing experiences with, with plant medicine. And, and I know that like, I wouldn't be the same human without some of those. Right. And, and part of that, as you know, is the community that you meet in those particular environments. It, it's everything. It's not one, because it's fascinating. I've heard people try to take the plant medicine out of the environment, mm-hmm. they do it on their own. They're in their bedroom, jamming a Pink Floyd. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same. Yep. That's <laughs> definitely not the same. <laughs> as you, you know, as you know. And so like, I don't know, there, there's just multiple paths to, you know, various levels. A good friend of mine um, wrote a book called Life on Purpose. His name is Vic Strecker and his daughter, uh, her name is Julia, passed away. It's probably been nine years. And Vic is really interesting. He's a professor at the University of Michigan, mm. and, you know, sort of left 
Um, again, in his sort of rebuilding, read all these ancient texts, Nietzsche, Aristotle, Marcus Aurelius, Pluto, Socrates, you name them, the Bible, the Quran, like all these, like, give me the wisdom, right? Give me the wisdom, the, the timeless wisdom. And his, you know, sort of interpretation of all of this was, well, it's simple, purpose, meaning and purpose. Like, what is it? How do we fuel and find and connect with our sense of purpose, our meaning. And if we don't, and if we can't, we either have to work on it or else, you know, we'll, it'll, it'll, we'll be sick. It'll manifest itself into, it could be substance abuse. It could be overeating. It could be depression. It could be, you know, unhealthy behaviors, you know, relationships, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if we lack that deep connection, his path to healing and growth was different than maybe you and I's, but mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the same, you know, it, it's back to kind of the Joseph Campbell it is it's a hero's journey. Right. And it's, it's different for, Everybody, last thing I'll say, because I know like I love, we hear this a lot during some of these ceremonies. Sometimes it's not what you expect or what you wanted, but it's always what you needed. Always, always. Yes. A hundred percent. Like I was just sharing uh, with Ryan before we started recording. um, I went to this ayahuasca ceremony uh, about three weeks ago and my intention was to heal the mother wound. I thought there was going to, my expectation was there's going to be a lot of females there at the ceremony and the feminine energy would be able to hold space for me to heal this wound. And yet it was the complete opposite. It was all these powerful, like very powerful men with no egos standing there holding me while I'm really processing deep shame of what happened to me. Uh, and these men saying, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. And I'm like, man, a woman couldn't have told me that she could have told me that or she could say that, but it was not what I wanted. It's what I needed is what I'm saying. Like it, and it has always been that way. And, you know, plant medicine is such a fascinating, um, it's such a fascinating topic because there's so many different perspectives on it. Like even people have never done it and they judge it, or there's this concept of like, I was a prolific judger. I was one of the most prolific stone throwers before 2016 that you would ever met. Like I was a verbal assassin. I was judgy. I was, it was, I was ruthless. I was ruthless with my words. I was ruthless with my employees. I thought I was building culture, but I was like, work harder, you know, grind it out. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do and do it mentality. Like just, it was horrible. And uh, I had never done any substance other than alcohol and not even cannabis or anything in my life until uh, 30, 38 years old, 30 or 39 years old, going to an ayahuasca ceremony. And a buddy is Navy SEAL who healed massive deep PTSD drama was like, you should come do this. And I was like, I don't know. What does that mean about me? Am I a drug? Is this a drug? And all I can share with everyone listening is you got to listen. If you're called to it, you know, it's not something to, it's like anything, not everyone should drive. Not everyone should have sugar. Not everyone should have, you know, you got, it's a personal thing, but I will say that the ancient world lived with the plants Yes, and the, and they found a rabbi's remains in Israel. Um, some archeologists just uncovered it last year off the, if I can find the article, I'll post it in the show notes. And they found uh, remains of a rabbi with a satchel and in the satchel were the 11 spices of the temple. And one of the spices was cannabis. And what the Catholic church has done when they do the incense, which now is mean it's nothing, 
but it's what the priests of the temple would do. They would bring this incense of all these plants. And so when people were in prayer, it actually was a relationship with the plants and the God who created the plants and themselves all working together in this consciousness. And we're so far gone from understanding the relationship between plant nature and our balance in this whole life. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. We, we attach meaning to things, right. And then that's not always right. Like you attached a meaning to what that was or the type of people maybe that did those things or whatever. And like, it became bad. And it's funny. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and we were talking about tobacco and you say tobacco, right? And it's bad. It gives you cancer, smoking cigarettes, chew, you know, it, we have created, you know, an enemy out of tobacco. And I don't use tobacco. So this isn't coming from a place at all, but yeah. it, it was more around like it was used very in a lot of traditional, yeah. you know, ways. And it, you know, there wasn't a problem with, you know, lung cancer amongst the early days using tobacco. Right. But when it became, we started putting chemicals in the plant yes. and preservatives and then cigarettes in there and then more nicotine and then it became highly addictive and then people were getting sick and is it is it the plant or is it all the chemicals and you know that we're putting into it again this isn't at all a plug for tobacco but i think we we created the enemy yes yes (laughs) ourselves it wasn't it wasn't tobacco yeah it's that just unfortunately was the vehicle that you you know was used but i think that you know if, if we can you know, sort of take away some of that judgment or, or not put, you know, meanings on those things. And you're right. Like not everybody, I'm certainly not an advocate that everybody should go to an ayahuasca ceremony. Like that's, that's not at all what I know you're saying and I'm saying, and there's a lot of vehicles, you know, and there's a lot of different plant medicines and many different cultures all over the world, almost everyone, whether it's, you know, mushrooms or cactus or the vine or, you know, so on and so forth. And there's even, like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 interesting, and again, a lot of that, even even marijuana, right? We're starting, we've created, we've made that, you know, a, a, a bad thing, and now it's sort of coming out of that a little bit, and that's been, you know, sort of shape shifting in terms of what it means to certain groups and becoming more socially accepted. But why did we socially unaccept it? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Big, you're right. There's healing properties to it as well, yes. used in you know the appropriate fashion. Yeah, it, the one of the things I've learned. And it's helped me. I've learned this in, in ceremony, but it's helped me in my life is set and setting and intention, right? Like where and what, and then why it's like, what is my intention here? Like I was saying, my intention was to heal the mother wound and I got exactly what I needed, not knowing what I wanted. Wasn't going to lead me there. Um, and plants, I just find it. It's, I, I love that. It's, I love that. I love to talk about plant medicine. It's, I talk about it quite a bit on these podcasts. I think it's important that two men like us can get here, talk about it. We're successful professionally, but almost now as a byproduct of our own healing, well, I wouldn't say almost as a byproduct of our own healing, not a prime product of our own grit and, and intellect and we're going to grind it out. It's like, no, we heal. The plants helped us heal. And now we're here today helping other people heal in our own modalities. That's, you know, so it's, it's funny that we, we started talking about balance and I didn't mention this earlier, but now might be an appropriate time. So intention, I think is, is, and that's what kind of triggered that with me is, you know, whether you do new year's resolutions or not, or whether you set an intention for at a birthday, how does the next year of your life, whatever the case is. And I, I've always, like I had two intentions this year. 
The first was balance. <laughs> and the second was healing. And I say balance and trying to be more intentional with how I spend my energy. Like that was like feeding energy into things that feed it back to me, giving myself when I feel like I get back and I get whether that's family, friends, work, like trying to keep myself healthy as I'm in balance. And then the other piece of the healing part is continuing. Like I, I to me, I don't know that like it, it's, it's going to be a, a long self journey, right? There's parts of me, like you feel like you get down the rabbit hole and you're like, Oh, there's a trap door. Like I'm going, I'm going deeper into, yes. you know, yes. in, yes. in, into this. And then there's more, and then there's other levels of healing. And then to, to your point, then sort of healing for me, everything again, kind of back to balance has this sort of duality, right? The, the other part is how do we help others heal? And I know that's part of, you know, your calling, why I, you know, went to Wokoa, why I'm at Life Guides now is how do we, A, you know, sort of not destigmatize, but I think people like becoming vulnerable, being vulnerable, being able to share all our stories. Mm. And I know that you, you know, you and I both get to do this when you can share your story. Yes. It gives permission for people to share their story. And once they have permission to share their story, it begins the path of healing. And so that's like the goal here, right? So how do we, you know, recognize, you know what, like we were in, I'll speak for myself, like in a really dark spot in my life. Mm. Um, But like through friends, yourself, others that were there to help pick me up, that were there to encourage me. There are some guardian angels or spirits or people that show up in saunas and give you words like balance <laughs> yeah. that disappear. They yeah. kind of drop in. You don't know who they are and they drop back out. Like I've had a few of those that are like, wow, that was an amazing like lesson. Like that just, I was taught like, you know, and that's they're gone. Cool. Like, that's a cool thing. <laughs> it is. A, it is amazing. I really, um, I've been really digging in as far as like, what is this realm? What is this? I mean, I can feel the energy right now, just the media, the push, the education system, like pushing so hard. There's, I feel, I can see in like a matrix style, I can see the agenda of almost everything. And it is all leading us away from balance and self-knowledge and and presence and relationship with nature and the ground and the earth and the dirt. And you said gratitude. And in Judaism, the very first prayer upon waking is the Moadani, which says, I thank you a living and eternal King for returning my soul within me with compassion and loving kindness for great is your faithfulness. This like concept of like my breath is like, Whoa, God, thank you for my breath. Like, this is no joke. You know, we, we we're so far away from this push and there's a saying, I'm no longer a religious person. People say, I, I have read the Bible so many times that it's just like ingrained in my DNA. However, I love the framework of the, the Bhagavad Gita or the Quran, or even reading the Satanic Bible last year. I was like, okay, it's just more like your friend wisdom. Or I'm always like, well, what do they know? Or what language set are they using that I don't know? I want to go learn their language set and so that I can speak and relate. But there's a verse that Jesus said, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm always like, it's growing up. Like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) We get a mansion in heaven. Like that's, that's cool. Maybe, maybe if you're talking to people that are 
and poppers or whatever, but I'm like, what does it actually mean? And so I'm sitting in meditation. And I say, oh, mansion, it's a conjunction word again. There are so many conjunction words in the English language, by the way, anagrams, conjunction words, they're spell casting. They teach us to write in cursive so we can curse because what we put out into the world manifests. And so they get us to speak a certain language set, which leads this manifestation down this realm that we're like, what the hell is happening? But he says, in my father's house, there's many mansions. Well, what is mansion? Man Zion. There are many perspectives of what, what heaven is to you and what heaven is to me may be the same, may not be the same, but guess what? There's room for it all. <laughs> That's what's so beautiful. It's like, as you heal and you share your story, you, this gets me back to, you know, you're saying you share your story and it gets permission for other people to share their story and purpose and vision. It's like, wow, if I can see what a Zion, that place of rest, that final state of like beingness is, and you can share yours and we can learn and coexist and create together. Because what did you say anthropology was? What did your professor say? Said it was the study of likeness or similarities, not of differences. Dude, it's so cool how this all ties together. Yeah, no, it, it does. So a couple things. I, I love your curiosity. I, I think like, and, and I like, like get curious, like about things. Yeah, yeah. Everybody should be curious. Like, I, literally, I driving to school this morning, like, daddy, you know, what do worms eat? Daddy. So do they eat dirt? Daddy. What's in the dirt today? I mean, like, just yeah. deep, like, we're like deep into what worms eat this morning driving to school. Awesome. Like, that was our conversation. But it just reminded me, like, I, I love the curiosity. And I, and this, you know, to your other point, like that society's driving us away from some of this. My biggest fear is that society's driving us away from each other. Yes. And that at the core of it, like there are really good people in the world. I firmly believe that. I'm not Pollyanna. I'm not this dumb, like go talk. I mean, you've all heard, go talk to your neighbors, go talk to friends. Like there are people that deeply want to help make the world a better place. I see it every day in the work that I do. And like, that's encouraging. If I, again, just watch the news or, or read the paper, it's like, we're all fucked. Like this is, you know, not good. And we're polarized now. And like, you know, it was, it's, it's a shame, but we are the same. Yes. We do. And we do want to love and be loved. And again, like politics, religion, all that stuff that polarizes us. Yes. So like, push uh, yeah. like get, get curious yes. and be awesome. Like, I think it's. <laughs> yes. It, uh, you know, we moved to Texas. So people that listen know this and, you know, I shared, I was living in Seattle, moved from Seattle to Dallas and I met with a coworker. She's from Seattle. She was in Dallas and I had coffee with her yesterday. And it was wild, her view of Texas because of politics. She thinks Texans are redneck, Bush League. Yeah. She's big on the abortion stuff and it's driving. She just like, and I said, when, I said, even in Seattle, when does the government represent the people? I don't know any government in the world that represents the people how we are. Because I know going out in the street here, black, black, white, hardcore Biden, Hardcore Trump, Muslim, Hindu to my side, and all of us are outside, all having beers. Or not everyone's drinking, but you know we're drinking, having beers, and the kids are playing, and my daughter's catching frogs, and no one gives a shit right. <laughs> like about any of this bullshit manufactured division. At the end of the day, this is the beauty of humanity, like right before my eyes. And I was sharing this with her, and I said, you know, I did not get this at all in Seattle, at all. 
and Seattle has this view of progressivism and like uber progressive. They think they're like beyond, they really think they're like, if, if holiness can be achieved in the progressive state, they are there. It's like, and I'm like, it's the complete opposite. You, you look down and this is not to say one's better than the other. What I am sharing is the media, like you said, it's meant to divide us. These institutions are meant to separate us even further. And it's like, when you go out into the street and you look another human being in the eyes and like, Oh, hi, you know, and Oh, it was just fascinating. Like my neighbor, I just have to share a story. So this black family right here, so beautiful. And, and I mean, just tremendous wisdom and fascinating, like how they grew up. And my neighbor right next door is a self-described redneck and they call him family and he calls them family. And it's just a beautiful relationship. And politics came up the other day and I was like, okay, cool. Like what's, how's this going to roll? And no one got charged. No one got like flared. Everyone had different perspectives. And, and she goes, she goes, ah, Trump. I don't even, no one was even talking about Trump, but she brought Trump to Trump to racist. And my neighbor goes, how he was the NAACP man of the year. And she's like, well, that doesn't matter. And I go, wait a minute. Now the NAACP doesn't matter. I'm so confused. And it was funny. We were all, like, how did we get to this point where right. these data points, everyone holds on to them? And then like, and I was like, wait a minute. Now we're seeing things matter and don't matter versus reality and not reality. And, and it was funny because we all kind of took a step back, like, yeah, this is all ridiculous. And it is, it's all ridiculous. And I felt that the best way to bridge that gap, and that's always what you guys are doing, is through food, right? Yes. Like it's this yes. shared, and we did this with my group in, in college. We would all have a potluck. And, you know, I come from a very Sicilian family, and I would bring, you know, I was the crazy Italian Sicilian. We had others, and, you know, we would all bring a dish from, you know, from our upbringing. And yeah. it was just like everything else went out the window and people just smiled, right? They start talking about the food and their favorite dishes and growing up and their love of this and the smell of their grandma's, you know, cooking or whatever. And it's just like, that transcends all of it, right? It cuts through all the rest of the bullshit. And it's like, now we're just, we're back to being people again, which is what we need to do more of and invite the neighbors over and learn the dishes of of all of that. And I think that that's, um, no, I love that you have that diversity in your neighborhood and that you can see firsthand. And again, back to kind of program, we've yeah. somehow like allowed ourselves, you know, to be programmed if we just like stop for a second and just create some separation be like, okay, yes. Yes. what's real, what's not. That's right. And what, what is, what brings balance and what doesn't bring balance right. Being together with intention to love one another brings balance. It does. There's, you know, I've gone to a couple of, you know, various ceremonies and they treat food, you know, as, as, as it really is, right. As, as a gift and there's blessings that are, you know, over the food as you're eating the food. And again, these are practices that it's not a religious thing that like you give, you give honor to whatever you're eating and and gratitude to whoever cooked it for you and, and take a minute. And, you know, and again, whether, whether you call that prayer, whether you call it a gratitude moment, whether you call it whatever, like, I think it's like, those are the things that like, I think bring harmony back into what we do and a reminder. And I know we're all living really busy lives, but those are like the little things that I try to like bring back to my girls. And I'm a single dad and I get it. Like it's hard. And I'm running sometimes and I don't have like, sometimes I don't have time to sit down and eat, but I'll sit down for the first three minutes for the gratitude moments, you know what I mean? At a minimum just to get that. But like, I think those are the types of things that can bring balance back into our day. Mm. Um, And just these little micro moments. So I need micro moments, like just to have those things to latch onto to hopefully re, you know, I don't know, give hope again. 
and wow. teach our kids. I think it's the same way, like let's let's just slow down and love each other and acknowledge that and open to that. And I think that's the other word that's fascinating that has gotten lost, I think, between us. And if I were to say, look, Lucas, I love you, brother, like be like, well, that's are you, are you like crossing the line there, bro. Like you know yeah, like, yeah. like too much. And like, is that too much? Or to bring it into an organizational setting. Yeah. I'm like, look, like that's that's cool. You can love at your house, but please don't love at the office. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kind of thing. Right. But it's core, right? Like I do love you. And yeah. I'm so right. glad we met and I will carry that love for you. And you know that you've got a brother with me. And like yes. I think if we could just bring more of that too, like. I don't know. We could be off to the races. I do. And I, and I believe some, I don't know this. I want to keep this on track, uh, but I don't even know what track we're on. So it doesn't matter. But I, say, I just I, profess my love to you. So and I love you too, brother. And it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful um, to be able to receive. I learned this at a, a ayahuasca ceremony. My wife told me that um, we have been through this massive healing journey together. And one, I don't know, like two years into this journey, three years into this journey, she looked at me and she's like, and I used to say the five, Gary, um, what's the five love languages guy? Um, oh, I know you're talking about it. I've yeah, that. Chapman or I forget the guy who wrote the five love languages. That out. That's a different story. But yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, totally. But I used to say my, I, my love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. And and I have a different perspective now on words of affirmation. I think words of affirmation are the wounded masculine that men need to be told they're good. And my wife was telling me on the medicine, she's like, you're like a bathtub with no plug in the drain and I can fill it up and it just drains, right? I fill it up and it just drains. And she's telling me this. And I saw this deep wound in her eyes. Like I get, she's talking to me, I'm looking at her, but I saw that there is like a soul. I have soul wounded her. And I'm looking at her like, because I have not received her love, I have caused rejection that her love was not enough. And rejection always leads to resentment. And I saw this pattern. And the reason why I could not receive love, like if you say, I love you, I'm like, yeah, I love you too. Or real quick, like, yeah, I love you too. But they're like, you really let that land. Like, no, I received that. And I love you too. Like, there is no like energy of like, there's, there's no buzz. And I always feel the buzz. Like, there's no buzz. I'm like, really receive that. Prior to that night, the people that were closest to me growing up, I was afraid we were going to kill me always up until I gave my Ted talk. I was afraid that my dad would take my life. So I had to look at that. It's like, even if I would back down my ego to 0.01%, there was still a sheath over my heart. And that sheath was, she was telling me it's not, you're, you're not receiving my love. So I finally had to come to this place in this plant medicine to say, am I willing to die to receive her love? And I said, yes. And what I learned from this night has radically changed my life. In Hebrew, the word for love is ahava. So every time the word love is written in the, in the Torah, it's the word ahava, which means to give. So love always gives. But what I learned that night, it's the greatest act of love I can give is to receive. <laughs> which is why food it's this giving and receive. It's like the greatest act of love we can give one another is to prepare food and to receive food and be with each other. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. That, that's amazing, man. That's a, that's a really a, a beautiful story. And it's just like, again, back to 
like it's funny like the, I, I never i know you and i didn't prep for this so like balance feels like it's been sort of the theme here you can't really give until you can learn to receive and like it, it really it, it, it's both it's it's back to, to balancing and receiving and, is giving that's the that's for, the that's like for me i'm still yeah. mind blown by that concept right. receiving is giving so weird life yeah. is funny isn't it man? it's funny it is. Yeah. This is, this is great. I don't even know. Like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I've taken us to, I've taken us to the cliff. To see. No, that's, the cliff, that's like the perfect, I think that, that's like, that's the lesson, right? Like mm. how, how do we, you know, do that in everything that we touch. And I, you know, the last thing that, you know, like every, everything that we do, every interaction that we have has unintended, you know, impacts. Mm-hmm. And I, and I try to say whether you're talking on a Zoom and you're not smiling, that might mean something. Whether you're smiling a lot, whether you say th- like all of these little things, I, you know, I've watched. And we live in this virtual world now, right? Where I think it's harder because it's so much of this. Like I wish I was sitting there with you because I would have hugged right. you like four times. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah. can't. So we're not like there with two microphones, like having our own like human to human. But I think you know. Um, I think it's just bringing more intentionality to, to how we show up. And, and, and if we can bring little, you know, nuggets of love or gratitude or, or you know, try to make someone smile. And, we, you know, we, this is, we've always said, you don't know what happens on the side of the computer. You know, what happens when I shut my camera off and my thing off and I walk into the other room, right. you know, what I'm dealing with. And I think, you know, the world needs just more, whatever we can do, you know, like let's give it a little bit extra than we would have to wave to a neighbor, to say you love somebody, to check in on a friend you haven't talked to for a while and just say, how are you doing? One of the saddest stories I heard was a friend of mine. She said, you know, I think I'm ready to quit my job. And I said, well, why? She said, you know what? She goes, my boss has never asked me how I'm doing. And I was like, wow, like the, A, that sucks. But that it, that little thing is really profound, right? How are you doing? Like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I am uh, I'm so grateful to, to be able to have these conversations with you. And I know this is going to be like the first of many, I feel like. So yeah, yeah. Like build on this and see where, you know, where the next one lands. And I uh, would love to get any comments or feedback from anybody that's watched us and where we should head next. Cause I know there's a lot more to unpack and, um, and discover with each other and, and hopefully continue to sort of raise vibration or get people permission to tell stories or, or join us on the journey or, or whatever. Yes. I love it, brother. Um, before, before I let you go, um, life guides, is an important company. I think this is really important. And I, and I really love, I just wanted to say this earlier is the word guide. There's so much humility in that. It's not like life coach or life president or King, whatever this higher it's this guide. It's this side. And I really love that. And can you share just, I know we're going to wrap here in a little bit, but just share what life guides is and what you're doing. The spirit of what Life Guides is, 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 is connecting someone that's going through a life event with someone that's successfully navigated that. Mm. In my own life, you know, back to my mother, I remember my dad fighting with health insurance companies and, and you know, could have used the wisdom or perspective from someone that maybe was there before. If you've ever had a loved one that, you know, unfortunately had cancer or something else and you become an expert you know, in parts of life that um, you never wanted to be and talking to someone that can 
their empathy and wisdom as to what they went through it, you know, it can be helpful. And in my own life, it was whether it be with my sister or going through a divorce or being a single dad and, you know, or, you know, when I was a young CEO and, you know, I, I was forced to have, you know, a coach it wasn't called a guide at that point, but not everybody has, uh, you know, have that. And so Life Guides was, um, you know, created about six years ago. And one of our founders actually founded Match.com. And so the idea is instead of love and romance, it's around shared life experiences. And so um, when I heard about him, I was going through my divorce and I raised my hand and I told our CEO, I said, I want to be a guy. And that was it. Like that was the motivation. I just wanted to start to, to help other people um, do that. And I, I know you and, and many of you, you know, watchers, listeners, whatever are, have, have been guides or mentors or friends or neighbors or, you know, whatever, you know, answering questions about kids or parents or whatever. Um, and so that's what we do. So if, if your organization is looking for something awesome to help people navigate the twists and turns, we're here to help. Love it. It's beautiful. You're a beautiful yeah. man, brother. I really am thankful for you. Thanks for, dude, thank you. I can't wait for our next one. And then yeah. with the journey in person together, that's going to be, that's going to be a beautiful time. Likewise. And so, you know, I do my own called Humanize and I look forward to having you a guest, uh, you know, on mine and we can share and continue to, to build on the momentum. But yeah, thank you for the opportunity uh, and thank everybody for giving us the time and, and to listening and to opening your heart to, uh, you know, being with us today. So we, we appreciate it. Well, brother Ryan, thank you again. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for um, being a beautiful example of masculine energy in beautiful alignment with feminine energy and to be vulnerable and show up and share. So honored that you came on. Thank you. And everyone listening, uh, there's, there's no um, better time to heal. There's no better time to really dig into the work than there is right now. And if you if you're a man and you're listening to this and it speaks to you, if you know a man that needs to do the work, um, I'm launching the Dawn of Masculinity um, with Johnny L. Sasser, who I've had on the podcast, and it's a 12 week course where we walk through with coaching calls and content and guest speakers, really helping and walking alongside men to become the own hero in their life, to become the king, to become the gardener, to become the warrior, to step in fully to presence and face those fears, face the traumas and become just a beautiful man example, like by Ryan. So if you're interested, make sure you message me and I'll give you all the details for that course. We are those light workers. We are the beans here to help the world heal. Remember hurt people, hurt people, but healthy people heal people. And we are all on this journey together to heal. And it's beautiful and you're not alone. You've never been alone. And it's time for all of us to step into this. So thank you again, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. I bless you all. I'm Lucas Mack. This is the golden rule revolution. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you brothers and sisters for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.